Hey, if you're loving Creative Mind, check out some of our past episodes where we dive deep into topics like children's book illustration, video game design, filmmaking, and of course, the most important topic of all, how do you make a living as an artist? So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. And check out the show notes for links to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube page for even more great content. The initial draw was it probably, no pun intended, I guess, was distraction. I, I think, you know, just, you know, trying to distract myself from some of the harder depression that I went through growing up and, and later on after I got out of high school and stuff. And like, that was my escape. That's artist Rodney Thompson. On this episode of Creative Mind, we dive a little bit deeper into our state of mind, how art really can be a great piece of therapy. And Rodney talks about his ups and downs and, and his feelings behind the work he's doing, the work he's doing now and the work he's gonna do in the future. And so this is a really good episode for people who are just thinking about, in the time we're living in right now, how to translate their emotions through their fingertips. So sit back, take some notes, and enjoy as we talk with artist Rodney Thompson. So Rodney, you were featured in the Academy Spring Show, which for the Academy is a really big deal. Talk to us about what it was like for you to come to the Academy and now start your MFA, which is an even bigger deal, you know, as somebody who's a painter. What was the reason you wanted to come to the Academy? Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I had taken some time off of high school and was just working. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do, but I want to do it at art. And so I just kind of looked all over the country for different places. And I'm from Texas, so any way I could get out of Texas was my goal. And uh, try to just explore a little bit and kind of get out of my comfort zone. And I looked to like the Chicago Art Institute and I looked at the Academy. And San Francisco was really interesting to me. So I decided I would give that a shot. And the Academy, all of the stuff that I researched about the Academy just kind of aligned with me pretty well. And I was pretty interested in their programs. I originally looked at their illustration program because I was really interested in doing maybe comic book work. At the last minute, changed over and decided, well, I'm going to go in for a fine art. I really like their program, and I, I know some of the instructors that work there just from people who I'd followed, so I dove in with the Academy. Who were some of those instructors that you were already following that you were attracted to? Let me see. There was uh, a guy, oh, God, what's his name? Jason Bowen. Uh, <laughs> he was one, and I actually had a class with him. He was somebody that I... I just kind of uh, found on uh, like Southwest Art Magazine, I think he was listed in there at one point, and I kind of gotten attached to him uh, and followed his work, and I really liked. That's when I started getting it a little bit more into fine art side and less more of like the fantastic comic book side and really noticing the techniques that went into that and how challenging that was, but how beautiful the work could be. And he's somebody that caught my attention, and I realized he had taught there, and I thought, oh, that'd be cool to go there and see you know some of his work or maybe meet him then I, I had an intro to painting figure with him years ago and it went really well i really enjoyed working with him oh that's awesome that's that's gotta be a great way to you know i like your work now you're in person guiding my hand well yeah now that we got the academy stuff out of the way let's get deeper into the artistic side of you so you said you were growing up in texas you wanted to get out of texas nothing against texas but i can totally understand that for you this concept of being an artist what did that mean to you then, and, and maybe what does that mean to you now? Then, I don't know if I had a, quite figured out what that exactly meant to me as far as just following my intuition with it. I, I just really knew that that was something that I, I felt like I needed to do, and 
I had a really strong interest in it and I've been doing it for as long as I can remember. I've always had a pencil in my hand drawing and stuff. What was some of that early stuff you were drawing? Was it just kind of doodles or were you really? Yeah, it was like a lot of doodles. I would make up my own comic book characters and I would recreate comic book covers that I really liked. And I just tried, I did a lot of Spider-Man stuff and X-Men stuff. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I really got into. And, and I stayed with that for years. And as I got older, I got into high school and I got into sports and it kind of dwindled off a little bit with the comic books. But I, I still did a lot of creative stuff and a little painting, a little drawing. Yeah, that's always a weird time. When, once you get into high school and puberty kicks in and lots of changes and now I'm playing sports and that takes a lot of my time. And Yeah, the hormones you know. like run your life. And <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play football, but I don't want to play football. I just want to draw. But you need to go play football now. So as you're graduating uh, high school, was that the goal was to go straight into an art school or you're, you know, like a lot of people, you're coming into the academy not fresh out of high school. You're coming into art school a little bit older, like many of us, myself included. You know, right out of high school, what were you looking to do? I honestly just assumed that I would do what everybody else was doing and go find a college and go there and, you know, think I'd figure it out as I went. And that was what all my friends were doing. A lot of people that went to school, they just... They knew their school. They had it pretty figured out. And I was like, I guess I'll do that. And then I took a little bit of community college and I was like, this is not right. Not feeling good. So I just decided I'm going to take some time off and uh, just work a little bit and kind of figure out what I need to do and what's right for me. And it, that ended up being like three years out of high school. And then I finally ended up going back and I was like, OK, I, I think I feel it now. And I, I think I know where I want to go. And, and where was that? What was the path you started to, to walk down? Well, it was starting to hunt for a school to go to. And I really realized that, you know, I, like being in, in Texas, I, I was like, hey, you know, I'm kind of in the same thing. I, I just feel like I'm stuck in a rut here. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I need to work out with myself. I don't feel like I'm able to do that in this little bubble that I'm in. So I really wanted to explore. I, I think about a year before I went to the academy, I started really looking around and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So... Was there something that attracted you to the world of art or was it the drawing? Was it the lifestyle? What was that you were looking for that really made you connect with wanting to be an artist? The initial draw was a, probably, no pun intended, I guess, was distraction. I, I think, you know, just, you know, trying to distract myself from some of the harder depression that I went through growing up and, and later on after I got out of high school and stuff. And like that was my escape. I loved creating things out of my imagination and or seeing what other people could create out of their imagination, which drew me to, to the comic books. And so that kind of latched me in. And then once I got in, I really loved technique and trying to figure out, well, how do they create that stuff? Like, how do they know how to make an arm as long as it's supposed to be or, you know, draw muscles on a superhero or, you know, anything like that. And so I, I really that kind of built a bridge into like refining the skill mm. a little more. Uh, it's interesting you brought that up because, you know, what we're, we're going to kind of set that up and, and talk about a little bit later about artist therapy and art is kind of a, a healing process because, you know, if you go to your Instagram page, right up front, you're talking about dealing with depression and suicide prevention. And your thesis project is, as we're going to get into, is really dealing with mental health, which is so super important. And, and I think so many people forget that art is and can be one of the greatest pieces of therapy going. And in comic books, in a very unique way, there is a lot of 
angst and, and emotion and and dealing with change that comes about in comic books. What were some of those comic books that you were attracted to that really connected with you? Probably the ones that I, like Spider-Man and X-Men were ones that I really latched on to. Sorry if you can hear our dog in the background too, but like, <laughs> she's, okay. she's not happy enough about not being in the room right now. Yeah, so Spider-Man and X-Men were the ones that I was really drawn to. Spider-Man a lot just because he was a kid and going through a lot of different changes. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And he's really young and you know, has all of this stuff that he's dealing with and he's still finding a way to make it work and get through it and come out on the other end. And X-Men was just like, you know, they're so different and they get looked at badly because of that difference that I just really, I loved that. I remember learning that at an early age, kind of where Stan Lee was going with that stuff and was just blown away by it. And I just thought it was really incredible. So I think that those kind of helped build more of an empathetic response in me. And also, you know, I had my own personal connection to it and it resonated really well with, you know, not feeling like I fit in in a lot of ways. And then, you know, having harder stuff to go through and finding a way to get through it. And, mm. and I just loved that. So, If you want to let the dog in, if she's not going to jump up and down on the microphone, that's perfectly fine with me, man. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. well, she's she's locked in her kennel right now, so she's. Okay. Uh, but is it cause is it too much? Is it right now? No, it, I don't. Okay. It's it's there, but if, if it's easier to let her in, fine. Yeah, I don't care. I think she'll yeah. calm down here in another minute. She's okay. just okay. very okay. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if she's not barking on Mike, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's no big deal. I want to get more, you know, you talking about artist therapy and stuff. So now that you're you're doing your thesis project and you have this comic book connection, or at least that art can bring out the empathy you were talking about, how important do you think art is in helping people deal with problems they're having, either big or small? I, I think it's incredibly powerful doing that, whether it's in a very direct way, like what I'm doing, where I'm just saying these people's their head is on fire because they're having uh, a mental health crisis or struggle. Or, I mean, if it's just the process of creating it, like in art therapy, or if it's not art therapy, it's a little kid drawing comic books, you know, it's, I think, profoundly helpful. And there's just so many ways that it can be helpful. It could be the connection that you have with an art instructor that helps you learn a little bit more and, you know, maybe find a little bit of a stronger purpose that pulls you away from any of the, the hard stuff you're dealing with. There's a lot to it that's wonderful. And I think each person's different in how they respond to it or what they need from it. And um, that's one thing I love about it is the variety of ways that it can be helpful. How, what are some of those ways that's really helped you? Well, starting when I was young was obviously the comic books. And that was kind of my detachment and able to go into this fantastic other world that I could be in and just really enjoy what these characters were and the strife they dealt with and how they came out through it. And then loving to work with my hands, I came through in a way of building a skill set. So I just obsessively painted and drew all the time. That in itself was a way for me to kind of work through. It's like exercising. You don't want to run off some anxiety. You, you go for a jog. And for me, that works. But also, you know, drawing for 10 hours straight will burn off a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, even like an hour would do a lot for me. And um, I mean, it can be stressful too if it's not getting where I want it to be, but it's still in the end is a, a win if I'm doing it. And um, now being more direct with like the fire paintings that I'm creating and uh, saying, well, this is something that is personal for me. This is what my experience has been. And I'm being kind of vague with it on 
on what my experience is through the paintings, but I, I do that too in a way for it to be just mine and also for anybody that sees it and has their own response to it and say, wow, that resonates with me in this way, which I really hope in some way that it can be helpful. Well, let's jump into your thesis then, because when people are looking at your work, specifically this, what's this, does it have a title or do we just want to call it the fire series? We just call it the fire series. Fire yeah. series. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know it's still early in the process yeah, before we get the really cool name. At, at first glance, it's someone with their head on fire and it, they're very visually striking. They're really beautiful. There is a lot of great technique in there and you're painting all in oil or is it acrylic? All in oil. All in oil. Okay. And it's a heavy hand too, which is really, really impressive. Walk us through how this thesis project started and where it's evolving to. It was probably like maybe four or five semesters ago, and I had a class with Kevin Moore. It was a surrealism stylization expression class. And that really, I think, was a turning point for me to kind of open up a little bit more. Prior to that, I was so like, I do what the instructor said, build my skill, you know, work, 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 and, you know, not branch out from there and just try to get good grades and build good skill. And then I got to Kevin's class and he just allowed us to open up a little bit more and, and introduced us to a lot of work that could still have a foot in realism, but also went off into expressionism and, and all of these different things, surrealism. And it just allowed us to think out of the side of the box. And I, I just loved it. And I was like, yeah, this is what I originally went to school for. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do that kind of stuff. I, I kind of lost it along the way of like, I just need to be technically fantastic. And I still have that. I'm still working to do as best as I can. Well, no, a, a lot of your work, I mean, if you look at your portfolio, there, you know, your portraiture is, is tremendous. It's got a very unique style. It's got, a, you know, the eyes and the lighting choices are very heavy and very affront. But the surrealism aspect is always a dangerous path for a lot of people, either in school and afterwards, because it can go sideways yes, very quickly. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, I think I hesitated getting into it a lot, too. And uh, even after that first class with Kevin, I didn't go. I, I did my first fire painting then, and then I didn't start them again until this last semester. I had full intention of actually doing it. And I just was like, well, I, I really want to make sure I do it well. And so, you know, you kind of talk yourself out of it or overthink it. Yeah, you know, I kind of went back into the grind and started, you know, just working on that technical skill. But then once I got it this last semester, I just, he let us cut loose and, I really was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it and just see what happens. Was there a push you needed or what, what was that hurdle to get you to kind of go, all right, I can really do it now. Was I, it a I personal think, thing or a technical thing? It was a, a little both, mostly a personal thing. I, I think I was feeling a little burnout on the, like trying to be a perfect student. And I mean, I loved what I've created over my academic career, but it just felt like it was getting monotonous. And this actually felt like I was reaching deeper within myself to paint something and using all that technical skill that I learned, which I am grateful for. And Kevin also was like, you know what? I want you to just tell me how many paintings you're going to do. Give me an idea of what you're going to do and go for it. And I think that was what I needed to hear. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> So uh, and I just did. And I, I let myself just let go and dive into it and really listen to my heart on it. And it kind of helped. So where did you start? 
Where was the thinking, the creative spark, as it were? I mean, we're going to try and lower the amount of puns we use because yeah. we're talking about fire. <laughs> yeah, the burning yeah. desire, the spark of creativity, <laughs> the uh, match I struck to do something <laughs> yeah. or something or other. Where did you begin with this? What was your mindset on, I'm going to paint this subject dealing with mental health, which, again, is another giant subject which can be very personal, but, you know, it's hard to get that connection to. Where did you want to begin with this? Oh, that's such a, I don't know that I had a full, complete idea on where I wanted to begin with this. I think it was just little bits of stuff that were coming in here and there. My wife got sick with COVID and she's still dealing oh my with gosh. it. She's got oh my gosh. long COVID and uh, it's now 15 months in. You know, she's not the same person she was. She's completely changed as a human being. And so she's had a lot of struggle and I've had a lot of struggle through that. And it's been hard because we were, you know, fighting with where we're going to get our make, make money and all of this. Like we lost our jobs for a while and I became her caretaker and it's just been a really tough situation. So I think that helped inspire because I was just watching her like shut down so much through this. It was just taking so much out of her and completely exhausting her. And I think it was a mirror for me to kind of see like, you know, okay, this is really hard and I can kind of see it on myself too, getting really hard and every day was different and it was just, you know, we had good weeks, we had bad weeks with it and and still like she just recently came out of a flare that was really bad and put her in bed for a week and yeah, so it's it's been a challenge and I think that through this last 15 months, I, I was like, I got to change what I'm doing a little bit. It really helped me kind of realize the importance of what we choose in life. And I think I needed to, you know, be able to paint from my heart or draw from my heart and, and, and not just draw what I was supposed to or be a photocopy machine or just really just listen to what I felt like I needed to say. Talk about some of the images that you've done. Let's talk about that main image. If you go to the Spring Show site, it has the image of the couple in the foreground on the street and then a person walking away engulfed in flames. What was the the thinking for that and the story behind it for you? First, getting started with the whole series, it was more of like I wanted to really somehow show mental health and like what my experience was with it. So I started painting the head practicing with heads on fire and doing little studies. And then I was getting deeper into it and thinking, well, how does the world see it? How do we interact with it? How do we choose not to interact with it or, or naively not interact with it? And the couple in the foreground is just somebody, they're just people that are kind of going about their day while a person walks by them completely engulfed in flame and completely unaware that you know, there's something traumatic happening there. And you can see in her stride that she's not, you know, missing a beat, but she's on fire. It's just kind of a reflection on how it can get missed in our society and how I felt with it with my own experience, how I felt like I've gone under the radar or also how I've kept it under the radar too at the same time. So it's, it's interesting you say, you know, we've kept it, you personally put a cover over it or, or a barricade because there is so much of art that, you know, is so striking. We look at it and we go, oh, what's this guy thinking? Or the silly cynical, oh, this guy's going nuts. You know, look at this picture. But at the same time, anybody that sat down and done this and when you hit that creative vein, you're like, oh, wow, my thinking and my feelings are actually pouring out. And that's a very tough place to get to. How difficult was it for you to get to that point where you were able to just freely create in a cathartic way and be able to create what you wanted to create? 
I think it really was very difficult because I let my brain lead before my heart with all of it. And thinking I, I had to do what the instructors told me, or I have to do this to do a commission and listen to what my the patron wants and try to please them and make them happy. That was a lot of it was people pleasing, making everybody else happy and finding an imbalance there. And how did that change for the thesis? How easy has it been or how difficult has it been on this thesis project you're doing? Once I got into it, it's been easy to let myself do it. I think convincing myself to get to it was a challenge. But once I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this, yeah, this feels good. <laughs> I, I'm lost in like painting these, these flames and they're just like really thick impasto strokes. So I'm globbing up paint and just piling it on. And I don't realize what I've done the last few times. I'm thinking about it, but I'm also totally lost in just the process of putting that on slowly. And I haven't felt that in a while with creating and it's been wonderful and cathartic. Like it feels good to do it. So the odd question, if you're spending so much time on these, does it get lonely when you're doing this work or is it becoming uh, something you're going to do more of? Uh, I'm going to definitely do more of it. It's, it's not lonely at all. These are, I, they're right there at the top for me. So I, as far as like what I'm feeling and wanting to create. So I'm, I'm fully engaged with them and I'm lost in the work when I do it. So yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good. I'm in pretty good space with it right now. <laughs> so, you know, you said you, you, you're lost in it. So do you yeah. now go, okay, I'm a, I'm a working artist now? Is that how you finally feel? Yeah, yeah. It kind of does feel like that. That's a great spot to be in because it is, that's that hard part. And when you're in art school, it's like, am I an artist? Question mark? Yes. I, I did it too. I had a little brief break in between going to the academy and, or another brief, or actually a pretty good break. I started just doing commissions as much as I could and making money on the side. So... I started a, a professional track, and then I, again, at that point, before coming back, I was getting burnt out on what I was doing, and like, you know, this feels like I'm on the right path, but it's not, you know, exactly where I want to be, but I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. I just got to refine what direction I'm going in. So, actually, let's talk a little bit about that, where you're wanting to be a professional, because that's kind of a different choice one makes as an artist, because there's the, I want to create for creativity's sake. And then I want to create because I have a paycheck. I want to create <laughs> the extra part of I want to create because I want a really, really big paycheck. For you as deciding to be a working artist, what were you thinking? And what were some of those things you did to be, okay, I'm going to be a working artist now? When I originally started, I thought, well, I'll be like a high school art teacher. I, I loved my high school art teacher. She was great. And it was just a really fun class to be in. And I thought that'll be a good idea. I'll, you know, I'll do that. And, you know, do some freelance work on the side. And then as I got into it, I got into this really romantic idea of the rock star artist and I'm going to do that. I'm just going to paint and sell work in galleries all day long and party and all of this stuff. And I just realized as I got a little older, I was like, no, that's not totally what I want. You know, that's like every 5% of artists might get that. Did you find that was really you when it was coming? Like, did you actually have that that desire or the ability to be the the rock star artist? Was that in your heart? No, I, not at all. I, I had this like built up fantasy. And I, once I got into like really creating, I was like, that's not it. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> I started teaching a little bit, though, when I was doing or I initially started again at the academy and I found I, I really loved it. I and mean, it was more for, I just needed extra money. And I thought, well, I, I can teach people how to draw simple still lifes or, you know, paint flowers or whatever, <laughs> or some portraits. I was like, holy cow, I really like this. It's fun to interact with the students. It really brought back to, brought me back to the basics of 
what I originally learned and, you know, keeping that foundation strong with me. And I just enjoy showing other people how to do it and kind of sharing my work and helping them create their own. And and that started me thinking, I'm like, well, maybe I would want to teach at a higher level and teach at a university level. And I started throwing around the idea with the MFA and I watched my wife go through it and hers was not the most fun <laughs> degree and she just didn't she did awesome in it but yeah and I, but at the same time I was like well do I really want to do that and yeah right I, 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 I'm holding <laughs> over for a few years and then yeah the, the I, requirements of an MFA like I gotta do what yes yeah you really so, I gotta do all that what, how does that yeah. seem interesting or fun or enjoyable <laughs> or why yeah totally once I got closer to the end here I, I was like okay I'm gonna do it I really do want to make a good career out of my art and doing freelance stuff and you know what feels great for me but i also i really love teaching so i'd like to do that too as well that's interesting you brought that up because that's something that i know craig nelson had talked about and it's one of those things i think so many of us artists forget it's like teaching is a is a great path and actually a pretty important path if you're going to be a working artist where else do you get to actually talk about your art and show off or explain without having somebody who's required to be there <laughs> to, to actually watch yeah. you do it. <laughs> yeah, it's really incredible. There's so many uh, different instructors that I've had that I have completely different methods of going about it. And I've learned so much for them as far as like how they teach. And I, I've tried to like pick like little pieces here and there of like what they do and how best to interact. One of the biggest things, like the kindness that I've gotten from them and encouragement, which I, I am so grateful for. I mean, I've had art instructors before, like way, way in the past that are just, you know, they're not really paying attention to what they're doing, but they'll come over and say, you're not doing that right. You know, <laughs> and most of the instructors that I've had at the academy would just be so kind and like really encouraging. And it's been a good experience with that. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that is a rare treat to have somebody actually yeah. help you correctly. I, I, re I remember when I was in art school, I was like, you had, I had one instructor that, w that was the same way. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, oh, can I, like, can I, can I get a I yes? Here? Yeah. But then, I, I, yeah, then you have a couple of the other instructors. Okay, let me sit down. And then for the next three hours, they're painting, you're painting. You're like, I, I want you to stop, but this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's great watching you do this. So now that you, you've got your thesis, which is a big major stepping point in any artist's career, even if it's their first show or an actual thesis project, from the past, and then we'll talk about, you know, going forward, but from the past, what were some of those painterly influences after comic books when you're making that transition from illustrative to, to fine art, which in a lot of people's minds is this massive mega shift for you, where did your influences come from? How did they change or who were they? Okay, I think a bridge that got me from comic books to fine art was Salvador Dali. I really got interested in him in high school and into college. I was really fascinated by his work, and I just loved it. I've never done anything remotely like that, but I just was so fascinated by what he created and how he created it and the evolution of his work over his lifetime. That kind of brought me into the fine art world. And then once I got there, I think I really started looking at, like... Caravaggio was one of my favorites. His use of chiaroscuro was 
I just love that. And I still do that in a lot of my stuff where I do a really hard, like single light source, really dramatic dark light. And I just find that so striking. I've not been able to break away from that as many times as I try. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> well, then, if you're going to emulate a couple of artists, I think yeah. you're on the right path. Those are good ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then on from there, I, I think more contemporary artists like uh, Richard Schmidt and Daniel Green. And those were masters that I just absolutely loved and really adored Richard Schmidt's work and all of his protégés from there on, like Jeremy Lipking and Casey Bond. They are incredible artists and I still follow their work quite a bit. I love what they do. I think for a long time, which is what led to that burnout, was like me trying to be like that, create what they created and, and realizing that I have my own path and I that's just not with the path I'm going to go down. I think I, I have such a root in that fantastic imagery with comic books that I thought, well, I'm just going to do kind of what I grew up with a little bit, but still keep it in the fine art realm. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what are some of the techniques that you, you've really been developing and that you enjoy using? Because you talked about that heavy impasto, just that gloppy almost. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're painting with a palette knife as opposed to a brush. Oh, no, I keep it on a brush. I just oh, keep, really? Uh, yeah, because I love that that scratch of the brush, the hair of the brush. So it feels like it, it kind of helps me directionally push the flame a little bit more and kind of guide your eye around it. But yeah, so I work mostly and I'll prima. I, I, I will paint as much as I can all at once. If I don't, I always feel <laughs> a little bit frustrated if I can't nail it down in one shot. And these are for smaller paintings. For bigger ones, I'll take, you know, weeks or, or months on. But for a lot of these little fire portraits that I'm doing, I, I knock them out in one punch if I can. I love the wet on wet because once I'm sliding that brush across, it'll... It'll pick up a little bit of the undercolor and kind of pull it along with it. And it just helps the blend. And it, it just creates a lot of beautiful movement with the impasto. And yeah, it's fun. It's kind of a challenge too, to make sure that you can lay it on pretty thick and keep it there and not just smudge everything off, which it's fun. I was going to ask because, I mean, that's something that, again, I'm not, you know, raw, raw uh, at Academy. They, they, I do work for them. They do write my checks. But having gone to art school and studied painting, there is that concept of the oil painting. For you, what was it like actually sitting down and painting in oils? Was it your first time doing that when you came to the Academy or had you had experience with that before? completely awful <laughs> it, it looked for the first i think i had ann nelson's class their still life class that was my first one she's great she's she was so awesome through that i think the first half of the semester it basically looked like a five-year-old was painting and then one day and she said this too like she said it'll just kind of click one day and i was like a, a few weeks in i was like i don't think it's gonna click anytime soon <laughs> And then it did. It just it just happened to click on. And I was like, okay, I think I get this. And I, I'm so naturally heavy-handed. So I've had to really teach myself to not just like wreck the painting by piling on paint. And, and which is like uh, doing that impasto work. It takes a lighter hand to kind of get that paint to just, you know, just gently grab on and make a stroke. But yeah, so it was pretty terrible. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't have any more of those. If they are around, it's probably my... 
my mom or my grandmother has kept them and which I refuse to give them away, but they still took them. They're like, they're great. And I'm like, no, no, they're not. No, they're they are not. <laughs> they're truly Those not. should be under paintings <laughs> yeah. at best. Yeah. Those should have been gessoed or in the garage somewhere as coasters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oil just scares me. The school I went to, we didn't have the facilities to do oil because of all of the, the hazmat stuff. So we were only doing acrylic. And then anytime I see somebody who does oil, it's like, oh, you're the real one. You're a real artist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, you know, and, no, and I mean that with absolutely no disrespect to all the wonderful artists out there who are working in other mediums. But when you see somebody, and especially like your work and some of the portraiture work that's done in oils, it's like, oh man, that's that's like work. This is a lot of work. It's so funny you say that too, because if I if I touch acrylic or watercolor, I'm like, what the heck is this? I mean, what I don't even know what to do with it right now. And then I have to really like back up a little bit and rethink it, and like, okay, you got to work a little more mindfully and slowly and not so uh, instinctively as you've taught yourself with oil. Like I really have to slow down and think about it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 W- yeah. Watercolor is that weird one where it's just like, I'm done. I, I spent 30 seconds on this and I'm, I have to walk away. It's a, one beautiful thing about oil too is it's, it can be very forgiving. And I will, uh, a lot of times be like, I don't like that. I'll just scrape it off. And, and you can't do that with watercolor. Which, <laughs> On the days you paint and the days that you're creating, kind of walk me through the process. Walk me through your day of painting. You know, when you sit down and take that long, deep breath and stare at that canvas going, all right, here we go. Walk me through the process of getting your vision out onto the canvas. All right. So with these the newer paintings, I might have like a color scheme and idea or... Or something that might be charging it. Uh, I did one recently that I just saw a beautiful sunset and I loved all the pink and orange and lavender and purple that were hitting the clouds. These these huge like thunderheads. And I thought, uh, I kind of want to do that. And I, I wanted to do another flame portrait. And I was like, well, I'm just going to throw it in the back. And it's just going to be kind of loose and just a, a study of it. And I'll kind of start from there. And so that that's that technical thing of like that's still there, but I'm I'm also wanting to express the general like mental health aspect of it. But I will kind of first fish around a lot of like okay, I've got a ton of reference photos that I've taken over the years, and I will kind of work my way through those and see what strikes my interest. And there's some that I'll have they're like six years old, and I'm I won't even look at them for a while, and I'll just come across them and be like that's a pretty good one that kind of fits with what i'm going with and then i'll paint it i did one just the other or i guess last week that was i think it was about four years old and just one of myself that i had and i thought well that's a pretty good lighting and setup and the head posture and everything worked well with kind of what i wanted to do and so yeah so i start there and i i kind of hunt for the photo and then i will go in and try to i start structurally i really draw out my portrait and work slowly to kind of build the framework and I will do basically almost a grisaille in some ways and with like a burn number so it's like I technically grisaille it, it, I do a very light underpainting very light underpainting yeah but I will build the entire head and kind of get all the shadows and lights like a two value statement basically and then I'll just destroy it with fire and I, I will kind of knock all of it away and very that's such an organic process. I will loosely draw out a flame and nine times out of 10, I, I don't actually follow what I loosely drew out. And as I put paint on, I start piling it on. 
I'm like, no, that doesn't look good. It needs to blow this way or it needs to go more up or down or plus swirl. So it's it's such an organic process. I think that's where the, the cathartic part of it comes from. It is a molding and it's like, it's really like pushing stuff around that I'm not letting myself get too attached to anything. It's very, I'm letting loose. I'm opening up, which I feel like also ties into the, like the mental health aspect. I'm letting myself open up a little bit more to share this and to share the, the theme of the work, to share, you know, how the process works and to let myself work in a way that is very fluid, I guess. When people are looking at your work, what is it you're hoping they're taking away from it? Any kind of reaction, actually, I think is pretty good. Yeah, I think as long as it catches your eye, then I that's a win for me. And if that does it, then that's great. And hopefully... You might, you know, go in a little bit more and kind of see where I'm going with it, or maybe it resonates in some personal way for you whenever you see it. Or if you just like the way I painted it, that would be awesome too. I mean, I really want the the message of mental health to get through, but I also want people to just enjoy it. Or if they don't enjoy it, I also like want to get a reaction out of that too. <laughs> Any reaction's a good reaction, I feel like. So yeah, that was going to be my question is like, what do you like most about being an artist then? Is it the reaction or is it uh, a message? Oh, probably the message and, and also the process. Those two things are probably the best, the, the most important for me. And it took a while for me to get to the point of it being the message. I think I just wanted to like paint pretty pictures for a while and I thought that's what I wanted to do anyway. And now I realize that, you know, having a little more meaning into it is, is important for me. So getting that across is probably the main thing. And you're doing a lot of figurative work, which is the hardest, I think, for people to deal with because it's, it's recognizable. Like you said, you said pretty pictures. We've all done the flowers and the still lives, and there's some amazing still lives out there. There's some great pieces, and you can have a lot to say with still lives. And landscapes, I guess. I'm not a nature person, so they don't do much for me personally. But you're drawing a human face that's recognizable, and that's tough. That alone, forget what you're doing, you know, drawing a face is tough. What were some of the things that you're looking for and some of the training you really honed in on to help you bring about emotion from a human face? Mainly the eyes. There's just so much that our eyes can say. I mean, you can say a lot in just a very simple, straightforward portrait. If you've captured an expression in someone's eyes, and that's always been important to me. I think once I first got into drawing portraits, like realistic and not like a comic book kind of thing. I couldn't do it very well. <laughs> so I didn't like that. And I, I just obsessively worked on it and really tried to to build that skill to be able to do it because it was so hard. And you could easily recognize if somebody, like if you knew the person that, that their face was off. And I'm just like, I don't like that. I, I want it to look like who it is and you to, to be able to say, oh, that's so-and-so. And to be able to capture that was so super important. And then I got to really noticing like how strong our eyes could tell a story. So I just really started trying to put a lot of focus on that. Even with the strong lighting, I would always try to put like a pop of a highlight in there or, you know, something that where people could see it and maybe hopefully resonate with it in some way. Yeah, because that yeah. is an aggressive choice you're doing. You're, you're putting the light source almost in a photographic way, especially when you've got a piece where someone's wearing glasses. That's a, you know, one of your self-portraits, I'm guessing. And a lot of 
artists who are not taking a photograph would remove that eye highlight, remove that secondary eye light in the glasses. Like, well, it's, I can take the reflection out now. It's not a thing. And you're putting that in there in a very aggressive kind of in your face way. It's pretty rough, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to do. Like, I want it to be a little, yeah, aggressive is a good way to, you know, I want your, your eye to go right to it. So if there's a strong contrast or if it looks a little more intense, then that'll pull it there. So, yeah. Talk to me about some of those choices, because that's another good image that I'm going to link to in the show notes, because your piece, it's cataclysm, correct? Yes. When we're talking about figurative work, because modern art, contemporary art, art that people are making right now, whatever you want to call that, now we have branding, now we have, you're drawing people and they're wearing clothes and branding and graphic design and a Nike swoosh, or in this case, the Sub Pop logo on the hat. Yeah. There's a lot that you're leaving in or intentionally putting in, I'm, I'm guessing. Is there reasons behind some of that or it was just, just fit the moment? It's a little of this, a little of that. Some of it's like, a, well, I like the way it looks. You know, I like the way the Sub Pop contrast was in there and I, I felt like it helped pull a little more, pull your eye around to that, that particular portrait. That's a hat where religiously <laughs> all the time. It, it's getting pretty gross too. I, you know, <laughs> I'll wear it outside to go on like a hot walk with our dogs or something like that. So uh-huh. it's, you know, it's, it's during retirement. That's such a, like a, something I loved. And I listened to a lot of bands on sub pop growing mm-hmm. up. So it was, almost like a talisman almost. It is totally. Yeah. So it, it was just one, it's one of my favorite things. And I thought, well, I'm doing a self portrait with this. So I'm just going to put, what is meaningful to me in there too. I'm not going to wipe it off and, you know, just have it be a plain hat. That's a part of me. So. No, it's just an interesting choice because we see so much of this modern and contemporary art where it's like, well, now, you know, before, I mean, people are always wearing clothes. So you'd mentioned Caravaggio and you look at any, any masters like, oh, I'm drawing the clothes. I like the way the fabric folds and there's that I'm showing my technical skill by drawing the folds of this object. No one would have this. It's there for me to impress you or to show off my skill. And, you know, you've got a black shirt and a black hat, but that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Just avoid <laughs> is, you know, equally aggressive. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was like, uh, how do I make it? I don't want it to be overpowering because there's so many expressions and so much movement happening in that one that I wanted to achieve. I thought, okay, I want more simple color and value around all of that and have most of the value be in the faces like that are pulling them out, making them pop a lot stronger. So just, you know, a rich red and a deep black with little highlights in it, you know, just to kind of indicate some folds and stuff. But I mean, even being a t-shirt, it's not going to have that many folds to paint. So mm-hmm. we're talking a lot about your work and you're doing a lot of figurative pieces. You're doing, aside from the fire, there are human elements into this. So this is people. Have you thought about what the next series or what some of the next things are going to be? Are you going to stick to the figurative world or play around a little bit? Probably kind of stick with what I'm doing in the figurative world and and play around a little bit, too. What I've done with the fire and with those abstracted, realistic pieces, that's likely going to be where I'm I'm headed down for a while. They feel important for me to create because they're in that vein of reflecting on mental health and they are also fun to paint and they're not just the typical portrait. It was time for me to kind of get out of like, you know, the typical portrait or figure or commission or anything like that and, and just kind of paint something a little more out there. 
Here's the big question for you then, because you're actually of the age where it's acceptable to ask this question. You're not an old guy like me, but, you know, you've had some life experiences. You know, looking back, now that you've found art, you know, what would you say to that younger artist or you as a younger artist or even you before when you were just doodling away? What would you say to yourself? Don't dismiss it. Just keep listening to what feels good with it. And it's nice to, to just doodle around and just keep doodling and see where it goes. Just have fun and listen to what you want to do with it. Don't force yourself to do anything. That's important. That's tough. That's the wrong answer. We're supposed to be just doing what we're supposed to be doing, man. <laughs> I think it's a personal response. It's me talking to myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The absolute most important question I do have to ask is, where can we find all your work? How's a good way to get in touch with you? Instagram's good at Rodney Thompson Art or my website, which is also RodneyThompsonArt.com. Those are probably the two best places to find me. I've got Facebook as well, but uh, Instagram gets the most traffic. Okay. And then we also have, of course, they can go see your work on the Spring Show website as well. Yes. Uh, which is super important and just kind of see you know where everybody's coming from. Give me the good parting line because I can't think of a really intelligent way to get you to give me a good parting line. But give me something like how, how the 18-year-old that's coming in here who wants to go to school. Not you. The new 18-year-old yeah. who's like, oh, okay, yeah. I want to be an artist. But damn, nobody else gets it. Listen to yourself and work your ass off, but don't burn yourself out. Find a balance at that. That's the trick. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> but yeah, as long as you're listening to your heart and what you want to create, uh, I think you can get a lot out of that and then just work hard at it. So there you have it. A uh, peek behind the curtain, if you will, into the feelings, thoughts, and emotions that go into the art we create. And right now, you know, a lot of us have been inside for quite a long time and, you know, are thinking about things and maybe overthinking things. If you're not feeling great, reach out to a friend, a family member, and just say, hey, let's sit down, talk, and feel free to share your emotions with your friends, family, and loved ones just to kind of help get through this time we're living in. I'm Bobby Brill. This has been Creative Mind. Thanks for listening.